Hey folks, Jeff Woods here. Before we dive into the episode, we wanted to spotlight one of our members and share her story, Esther Cohen Nelson. She is a member of our Living Your One Thing community and we just wrapped up a 66-day challenge and she shared with us that she went on a 66-day challenge just to turn off her electronics by 9 p.m. And what she didn't realize was how addicted she had been to playing games, social media, and watching TV and Just the simple act of turning the things off by 9 p.m. has led to her getting more sleep, getting better sleep, which you can imagine what happens in your life when you feel more rested and more rejuvenated. It allows you to wake up invigorated so that you can focus on your one thing and achieve more in even less time. We share this with you because we want you to know that people do not decide their futures. They decide their habits and their habits decide their futures. So as you listen to this episode or any of our episodes, ask the question, What's a habit that I am missing right now in my life? And what would be possible if I formed it? And how can I get a community around me that will cheer me on? We are about to kick off another 66-day challenge with our community at the end of this month. If you would like to learn more about that, go to theonething.com slash habits. That's with the number one in the URL. Because if you've ever gone on a 66-day challenge, you probably know you usually fail your first one. Because while it's really simple, it doesn't mean it's easy. So actually join a community that will cheer you on and dramatically boost your odds of success. You can learn more at theonething.com slash habits. This is The One Thing Podcast, where we teach you the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results. I'm your host, Jeff Woods. Have you ever found yourself wondering, hey, I kind of like this one thing idea. How do I get others to start living it? How can I get my boss to understand this? How can I get my colleagues to understand this? Would it ever be possible for my company to start reflecting this in its culture? We know so many of you have reached out to us and said, I love the one thing, and yet I have no idea how I could ever get my boss on board. My company will never get behind this. Today, you are going to hear a story about how how changing your company's culture starts with you. One person. The person you are going to meet today uh, is a very amazing individual. He's He's inside human resources and learning development inside a Fortune 100 company. He has zero direct reports. And he read the one thing and loved the ideas and wanted to start living it as an individual. Yet he had so many limiting beliefs around how this could possibly work. In fact, he emailed us directly saying, this will never work inside our organization. Yet you fast forward after knocking a series of dominoes down, it's actually become a major initiative for this organization. And we're going to walk you through the steps of what this looked like so that you as an individual can begin to empower others to live the one thing. Because imagine what would be possible in your life If every day, the people around you understood that your one thing may not be their one thing and that they would respect you honoring time blocks to accomplish what matters most. They would support you having a relationship with the goals that mattered most. That management would stop micromanaging and start empowering you and coaching you to achieve more than you ever thought possible. Imagine if you weren't expected to be in your inbox all the time. Imagine what it would be like if you weren't expected to be in every meeting and that when somebody stopped by and said, hey, do you got a minute? 
that you could actually say no and they would cheer you on. All of this is possible. And the path to getting everything you want is to get one thing at a time. This means you have to think big and go small and trust the dominoes will fall. For those of you who are newer to the one thing, you will continuously hear us point to two uh, models that we use, the GPS and the 411. We'll dive into what those are more in the episode, but if you would like to get a copy of those, you can head on over to the onething.com. That's with the number one in the URL. On the free stuff page, you can actually download the templates. And on the training page, you can get some free trainings on how to start using them. With that, let's get into this episode with Dr. Ed Nottingham. Eating healthy is an investment. It's an investment in yourself, but it also often requires an investment of your time. But good news is Factor has delicious ready-to-eat meals that are ever fresh and never frozen. They're chef-created, dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. With Factor, you can choose from a weekly menu of up to 35 options, including popular things like Calorie Smart or Keto Direction or Protein Plus or Vegan and Veggie. Also discover 60 more add-ons every week like breakfast on the go, lunch, snacks, beverages to help you stay fueled, feel good all day. And we know our listeners here at The One Thing are focused on health and health goals. That's why we choose to partner with Factor. And if you visit factormeals.com slash 150 and use code 150, you can get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. Again, that's factormeals.com slash ONE50 and use code ONE50 to get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. And I think this conversation is going to bring a lot of value to people because so many people, they, they want to live the one thing, but then they realize that or they have doubts about, well, what if my boss doesn't understand it? What if my colleagues don't understand it? So I'm looking forward to diving into your journey and how just starting with one person, you ultimately unleashed a domino effect to change the, the culture of an entire organization. Let's go way back to the beginning. When were you introduced to the one thing? Well, that's a, that's a great question. I was at the airport back in 2014, and one of my colleagues uh, was at the, the same gate, and he came up to me and he said, you know, have you read this book? And he showed me this book called The One Thing. And I said, no, looks interesting. And so I bought it. And during one of my travels, I read it and I thought, this, this is some really good content. This, this sounds pretty interesting. I like this. And then what went through your mind? Because I, I, like we know, so many people read the book and go, this is great. But then they have some doubts. What were the doubts that came into your mind? At that point, I was probably thinking, this is good information. I'm not sure how this would actually work. If you functioned within a very large organization, a very large company, and I was probably at that time saying to myself, great if you're self-employed, great if you're an entrepreneur, great if you have one thing, but in our world, we have more than one thing. Suspect that was one of the recurring thoughts and probably limiting beliefs going through my head. Yeah. Yeah. Now, walk people through what your role is inside your organization. 
in in my position, I, my 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 official title is I'm a I'm a I'm in HR, and my title is project management. But my focus is really on coaching, helping our leaders be more coach-like, and also focusing on emotional intelligence. So I deliver a number of pro- programs in those areas. Yeah, yeah. And so th- this is interesting because I mean, this is your job <laughs> is is bringing ideas to the organization that ultimately shift a culture. And here you are reading the book, going, "These are interesting ideas," yet the dots were yet not yet connected on how to actually start living it. Take us yes, through correct. take take us through your journey of starting to become a practice leader of the one thing. Well, part of that was, and I was really glad when you joined the company back in around 2016 and started the Founding Members Club, and then that morphed into Living Your One Thing. When I got involved, even then, though, I was still doubtful. This is great for other people, but not for us, not for a large organization. At that point, though, I realized being part of the One Thing community was so refreshing because I would hear from other people who were perhaps having some of the same struggles. And it was at that point I said, you know, I, I can keep you know, pushing back on this. I can keep, as it were, treading water, or I can start doing some things. I can start implementing many of the things that are actually covered. And that's what I did. So take us, take us there because we, we talk about this acronym of TIME. People start by treading, just trying to keep their head above water. And then they start actually implementing the principles of the one thing. That's the I in time. And then eventually they move to mastering and then empowering others to go on the journey as well. For you, it didn't even start by trying to spread it inside your company. It just started with you no. living it. Where, how did that, what did that look like? Step one, and I guess, and I still have these, I started doing the 66-day challenge, although I will say I did it a little differently. I was actually just capturing data, which I still do to this day. But I did start using the 66-day challenge and noticed my behavior started to change. What was the big aha for me was when I actually started using the 411. And one of the things that you've said many times is leadership doesn't have to be using other tools such as the GPS, goals, priority strategies, they don't have to have a 411, but we can have a 411 that we use. When I started doing that, I really noticed that that change and being much more productive. Many times, you know, we hear we go home, we're busy and not productive. And when I started having that, you know, four weeks, one month, one year and updating it every Friday, then I started seeing my, me being much more productive and having a greater sense of accomplishment. That was the big one for me. Let's dive in there a little bit because that's super interesting. Can you remember any specific pivotal moments that you had when you started doing the 411? One of them, and it actually does tie to one of my 66-day habits, that when I would, when I would go in, my historical approach was, let's open Outlook. And when I would open Outlook, of course, then all of a sudden, everybody else's one thing was staring me in the face and I wasn't focusing on my one thing. So one of my 66-day habits was to actually not open Outlook until my one thing from the one thing planner was done. So I'm using that. And then I started looking at my 411. So what's on my 
you know, weekly list that I want to accomplish. And I started really noticing, hey, you know what? I've got a program coming up next week that I haven't put any time into at all. And with the 411, seeing that as being a monthly and also the prep planning being a weekly goal, I was able to focus on that and be prepared and comfortable when I went into the next week in the actual delivery. What I'm hearing you say, Ed, is you went on a 66-day challenge of checking your priorities before you checked everyone else's. Exactly. And by by simply looking at your planner, which had space for you to declare your one thing, which flowed from your 411, when you're staring that in the face and you're going, oh my gosh, I haven't done this yet, you started moving the ball on prepping for that training before you even allowed all the 80% stuff that was sitting in your inbox to flood your mind. Correct. What were some of the limiting beliefs that you had about not going into your inbox right away? I love that question because, again, uh, back in my clinical days when I was practicing psychotherapy, that you know there are all kind of limiting beliefs that people would bring to therapy. And what I see in the corporate world, the organizational world, people have those same limiting beliefs. Mine. When it came to not opening Outlook, not focusing on everybody else's one thing, was the the limiting belief of what ifing. And what ifing is paying interest on a non-existent debt. What if? What if somebody has sent me an email and I don't respond? What if they get angry? Which then leads to the limiting belief of awfulizing, catastrophizing, and horribleizing. Oh my gosh. Wouldn't that be awful, terrible, horrible if somebody got upset with me? And being able to work that through, applying all the stuff that I used to teach in therapy and now teach in the corporate world, saying, you know, what's the worst thing that can happen? You know, they'll call me, they'll text me, they'll, they'll send me an IM. And so put that limiting belief aside. And to this day, because that was, gosh, that was probably a year ago I was doing that when I don't open Outlook until I've focused on my one thing. How often do you find people hunting you down because you didn't open your inbox first thing? (laughs) Gee, that would be never. (laughs) It's so good. It's so good. And did anybody else even notice? Since they didn't track me down threatening to, you know, do something terrible to me, I would say, no, probably not. Yeah. Because once I did open my Outlook, then I was able to get back with them. Gosh, maybe it was four hours later or five hours later, but they heard from me. Yeah, yeah. So we, t- I remember early in our relationship, uh, you're, you're engaging in, in the community and you're sending lots of emails to me that I, I appreciated because they were direct and candid and you didn't sugarcoat it where you're just like hey this is great for entre- <laughs> this is great for entrepreneurs this is great if you're the business owner or the leader and I'm an individual contributor inside a fortune 100 company I-, I get how I can live it but it will never spread in a company walk us through your thoughts at that time <laughs> one and and it was mid December 2019 one of the great emails that is sent out from the one thing had a quote at the top of the page of stop shooting on yourself. And don't <laughs> confuse that with another word. But that comes from my, one of my mentors when I was you know, doing some postdoc work, Albert Ellis. And 
And one of the things about that is that I wouldn't necessarily be shooting on myself, but I would be shooting on the principles, strategies, and tools of the one thing. Who knows? Maybe even, gosh, shooting on Jeff Woods. He should understand. You know, there should be more allowance for those of us who have tons and tons of one thing, more one thing. So, you know, that was probably one of the, the biggest limiting beliefs for me that I was too busy you know, shooting on the process rather than implementing and living the, the tools. And what you mean by that is, you know, well, my boss should understand. My boss should be doing this. Our com- our company culture should allow us to to have time blocked for ourselves. Jeff should understand that it's different <laughs> in corporate America versus focusing on what you could control. Exactly. Exactly. And that was again what led to actually our being able to bring this into our organization was, you know, if it is to be, it's up to me, which some guy named William Jensen, I think, coined that phrase. But I started realizing, what can I control? What can I do? And I started sharing it with my colleagues who became equally as enthusiastic. And then, you know, the power of one became the power of two, became the power of three. And we we had other you know, new members join our team who were equally as enthusiastic. So all of us, this small group, this, this band of, of one thing livers started talking to our leadership and they said, well, this is interesting. Gee, what if we could bring Jeff Woods in to do a program for some of our leadership? Let's, and let's, that's what happened. So let's, let's pause because I want to dive in. You, I think almost every person listening to this has had a moment where they want to share this with somebody and they don't know how. When you said you started sharing it with your colleagues, what did that look like? Often, I mean, it was just that, you know, one-to-one conversation that I would talk about, you know, some of the, the free resources that are on the One Thing Company website. And I would print those out and I would share those. One of the biggest things too, and this actually just, I I forgot about this. I love the, you know, the retreat that the One Thing Company does every year. And so I was able to actually purchase and and do that, not couples goal setting retreat, but our, our group goal setting retreat. And we had eight or nine people. And that was also a pivotal point where we were able to have that retreat and we spent about six hours that day. Some of our leadership was in the room, and that was also, I think, one of the one of the aha moments for other people to start seeing the benefits. And, and to, to really spell it out for people, so if you go to the onething.com slash training, and that's with the number one URL, under the master course section, you'll see the One Thing Couples Goal Setting Master Course. And Ed reached out and said, hey, what's in this course? And when I walked him through it, and he said, would this work for... If I'm not a couple, what if I want to do it with my team? And it's like, absolutely. Half the people who either show up to the retreat we actually host or the course are doing it as an individual or with a team or with a business partner. It's not just for couples. And you pulled your team in the room and literally pressed play. What, yes. ha- what happened? Well, as you're saying too, again, it's, it's not just for a couple, but you know, I've been having conversations one-off with people. But now we've got eight people in the room including some leadership. At that point, what we were told, and again, another one of my colleagues, uh, you know, Shannon Carter, who she and I work very closely together, we were asked, would we do a presentation for the entire 
HR group that we work with. And we said, sure, we'd love to. And so we just did a very short, it was probably 20 to 30 minutes. And that was like over 100 people. So now it's spreading even further within our HR organization. And people are now starting to reach out, which again, then led to to us being able to do something more formal, having you in. Walk us through. So here, here's, here's what I want to, to really drive home. For you who's listening to this, if you've ever found yourself saying, gosh, I wish my organization would do this, what you have to understand is that all leadership begins with self-leadership. I mean, Ed, how many direct reports do you have? That would be another huge zero. Yeah. So Ed is um, influential in the organization, yet he does not have direct reports. It's not like he can say to his people, we are going to do this. So this was a bottom-up job. This was a grassroots movement. And it started with one person, Ed, living it. And then it started with Ed just talking about it. And then once he had planted the seeds, asking people if they'd be willing to get in the room as they all get aligned around the next year. And he, they, they went through the, the course. And then sharing a presentation to the point that all of a sudden, you've got leaders that are now saying, all right, let's have some conversations, which is when we really started to get involved. And I, and I would say too, one of the things that that really I was so happy about is, yeah, there was a grassroots movement that was taking place. I would also encourage, and, and again, the power of one can bring about great change. And there's, I mean, I could bore people with research that's been done since the 50s on this, but I won't just to be nice. But one of the things that we did <laughs> is actually to start at the top of the house. So instead of it just being a grassroots movement, we were able to bring in our top leadership so that they were able to be introduced and then again having other opportunities for top leaderships to top top leadership to learn about the one thing and having it maybe it started bottom up but when we took it top down it really started having i think a great deal of more positive influence yeah and and to clarify the the it started from bottom up, but once there was that bottom up created enough momentum that there was legitimate interest about what would this look like, and we actually started engaging leaders that, that could drive this, then it was great. If we could only choose one group to focus on, who would it be? And we, we did a GPS on, on what this would look like to roll it out. And it started with a, very, a group of very senior leaders to build momentum. And once that happened, <laughs> rest is history. Yeah, yeah. Ed, I'd love you to talk about the limiting beliefs that popped up among other people. Once the one thing was introduced and people started talking about it and it actually became a more formal initiative inside the organization, what were some of the common things that you heard people say and push back on? When we first started you know, delivering some overview programs and so on, the common, and I'm not sure it's a limiting belief, but certainly the belief that people had was, we can't do that because we have more than one thing. And there was this holding on to embracing it won't work because, which did become a limiting belief. You know, it's too hard to be able to narrow it down to one thing. So that's that's been the biggie that you know we have faced within our organization and being able to address that 
by saying, of course, we have more than one thing. In the book, there's seven circles. We have health. We have other things. Of course we do. And how can we focus on that, that one thing such by doing that will make other things easier or maybe even in some cases unnecessary? Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, <laughs> I think everybody listening is going to relate to this. We all have more than one thing. And it's just one thing at a time, just not everything right. at the same time. Right? How right. do we get, how do we get you to look at all the things that are on your plate, view them as dominoes, line them up, and just whack away at the first one first? What one, one of the things too, you know, that I've seen the GPS goals, priorities, strategy do. Even working for in our team, you know, we have you know a GPS for our our coaching program, and what that's done whether it's at that individual contributor level for somebody who has a huge project that's being managed, or if it's for a leader, getting that alignment where people understand, oh, I see, that's, that's my responsibility. I'm accountable for that instead of people not being on the same page. So that's been one of the other things that I think has just been so valuable. And same for leaders, when, whether we're talking about officers or directors or managers, Here's this one-page business plan that can help people be on the same page, literally, and know where they're going. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and I think this is this is not unique just to your organization, Ed. This is universal. Almost every company we talk to, um, if you really dig in, most leaders are not truly clear on the one thing for whether it's the company overall or whether it's the the piece of the company that they're responsible for, they're not really clear on what that direction is. They're not really right. clear on what the exact priorities are in order of priority. Most definitely do not have one person that owns each priority. And let me ask you this. How often do priorities change inside your company? Sometime daily, but yeah. certainly, you know, ch- change is constant. I mean, so there are always those those changes in in priorities. Yeah, and and how confident do you feel like people are in general on what to do when the priority changes? By being able to know where we're going, knowing what the purpose is, and then knowing what the goal is, when that happens, then people are much have greater clarity that okay, I can see that. I can I can see how that priority has shifted, which may mean sometime our strategies are also going to shift in order for us to be successful and get results. So for, for you who's listening to this, I'll, I'll really put a bow on it. In your organization, if you want to create clarity and alignment among leaders, so everybody is clear on what the one thing is, what the priorities are, the order of the priority, who owns each priority, and what to do when priorities change, that is a GPS, a one-page business plan. And once you understand what the plan is and the piece that you own, you have to understand as an individual inside the organization at any level, how you have a relationship with those goals. And that's where the 411 comes in. And if you want to see examples around this, go to the one thing.com slash training. And you, you can see under our basics course section, you'll see the stuff there. One of the things too, you know, you asked me earlier about, you know, what are some of the elements that I've found most helpful? Another principle that I have learned from you and actually have been using in our programs now. You know, I ask people, how many of you have a significant other? And, you know, everybody or a lot of people's hands go up. And I say, do you have a relationship with those people? And they say, yeah, of course. 
And for me, the 411, that framework for actually having a relationship with my goals, I'll only speak for myself, but having that relationship with my goals has been so incredibly helpful. And again, that's, that's driven to some extent from the GPS. But for the first time, literally the first time, I think, in my you know, corporate career, understanding what it means to have that relationship with my goals. What has that actually looked like for you, Ed? That goes back to every Friday, and I did it this morning, that every Friday I, I open up my, my 411, I look at my annual goals, I look at my monthly goals, and now it's time to look at my weekly goals. And that's where I go, oh, yeah, that's, you know, I've got a program that I'm developing now that's coming up in a few weeks. And, you know, that's a really top priority for me that I want to focus on. And so it, it just brings me that clarity. And again, this is something that I have a relationship with this month that I want to make sure that I do the best that I know how so that I can add value in the lives of other people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and for people who are new to this idea of having a relationship with your goals, just like a relationship with another person, you come together and you go on a date. And the hope yep. is that by the end, it went well and you start thinking bigger about what's possible. And when there's conflict, you're trying to figure out what you need to do to get back on track. It's the exact same thing here. When you sit down to honor a planning time block and you look at your 411, you see the goals that matter and you go, oh my gosh, this one, I'm crushing. How could I do even more? And then you see the other ones like, oh my gosh, this program matters. I haven't prepped for it yet. I'm off track. How do I need to change my behavior this next week so that I get back on track because that matters to me? And that informs what you time block. That's what exactly. we mean by having a relationship with your goals. And Ed, talk to us about how the relationship with your manager has shifted when you walk in and present a 411 instead of just having a one-on-one meeting where you talk about how your weekend was. That's one of the great benefits of the 411 in terms, especially in terms of what we deliver, helping our leadership be more coach-like, that whether they're using 411s, whether they're using a GPS, that I have been able to actually complete my 411 prior to any one-on-one conversations I have with that person. I'm able to send a copy. And when I walk in for the one-on-one, I have two copies of the 411, one for that person and one for me. And that becomes the springboard, that conversation where, so what went well this past week? You know, What were the challenges and other questions that can really, again, Spring from just looking at the four one one. And and the talk to us about the importance of leaders becoming more coach like and how the four one one supports that. Why is this such a major initiative inside your company? I think you know again historically many companies have moved from traditional performance management approaches, you know, where you've got the nine box system and those sorts of things, to having more regular conversations. In order to be successful in having those conversations, it means leaders being more coach-like. Being more coach-like means the biggie is talk less, listen more. It means being able to ask, and again, within the one thing, there are powerful questions, like the focus question. But it means asking powerful questions and then being a level five listener and listening to learn and understand so that the, the, the coaching process can move forward and be successful. So 
those are two of the biggest skills that that we emphasize in the programs we deliver in terms of being coach-like. Yeah, and, and the beauty is when you learn how to hold 411s with others, it's a very simple set of questions that get you out of just talking and telling the person what to do and more where you're asking them questions. There, Ed is walking in and making a declaration to his boss. He's saying, hey, based on the things that I own this year, this is what I must accomplish this month. And based on that, these are the handful of things, three to five things that belong on my calendar this coming week. These are the 20% priorities. That's not his boss saying, do this this coming week. It's Ed casting a vision. And then it's for his manager to ask questions about to ensure things are in order of priority, to surface what challenges might pop up and distract him and how he can proactively eliminate those things. It's a very different conversation. It's also so valuable when, again, somebody comes to us, which we know they might do from time to time, and say, hey, can you do this? And I'm able to say, sure, I'll be happy to do that. Here's my 411. Here are my my top priorities for the week. Happy to do that. Which of these would you like for me to put on hold? And that triggers a good conversation. Okay, dive in there. Because now we're talking about saying no, which... Mm -hmm. So many people struggle and have fears around saying no. What, what are you seeing inside the company? I think both from the one thing and some of our coaching programs that we teach, one of the questions that we teach in our coaching program is, if you're saying yes to this, what are you saying no to? And part of what the one thing is helping to bring into our culture is that it's okay to, to simply share, this is, my, this is my 411, this is my GPS, this is my priority for the week, happy to do it, and what would you like for me to take off the plate? So again, happy to say yes to that. What is it that you want me to say no to? So it's not like there's insubordination or saying, heck to the no, I'm not going to do that. But it's being able to have that conversation about what matters most. Bring us back to the first time that you had to have that conversation. What happened? It worked. And I'm, I'm thinking back because it's fortunately, you know, it's not one of those things that I've had to do a lot. But I mean, there have been times when in meetings and so on, certain things have been put on the table. Wouldn't it be great to do this? Yeah, it would be great. And right now, you know, that's not on my 411. That's not on a GPS. And people said, okay. And it worked. <laughs> it, and even, even that seems pretty, pretty direct. But I think. The idea of when a manager or a leader says, hey, I need your help with this, to be able to literally point to a piece of paper that says, yeah, I want to help. Help me prioritize. This is what I believe the priorities are for the week. Where does this fall? Mm -hmm. I want to make sure I'm acting in order of priority. Have you found any stories yet of people where a boss got mad because somebody asked a question around that? I have not. Mm -hmm. Happy to say I have not. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the scale of what we are talking about, we're, we're talking about tens of thousands of people here. So folks, the stuff works. And, I, and Ed, I love what you said earlier about the limiting beliefs and really diet when you, when you notice one, diving deeper into it and like, what's really the worst thing that could happen if I say, yeah. is that really going to yeah. happen? Yeah. And, and, no. and, and, 
going back going back to when I was in my clinical days, I used to work with people who were in recovery programs, and one of their sayings is, "It works when you work it." So I think that applies to the one thing too. It's not magic, you know. It takes time, and it works when we work it. Yeah, that's right. And one of the things I want to talk about for is is kind of the model of how you drive this inside a company. And it's it's really three sides to a triangle. The first is um, having the person that can deliver the message to to introduce the ideas and create momentum. Then it's having people inside the organization that can be the keepers of driving that culture. And then the third is what tools you provide for ongoing reinforcement. Walk us through you had us come in originally just to do some workshops for your leaders, just to introduce the ideas and create the momentum. And then ultimately, the organization said, Hey, how do we now start training some of our people to lead this? And you and Shannon are, are, are two of those people. Um, Holly, too. Shout out to all three of you. Why have internal facilitators? Why is that valuable to a company? For me, and I think what we've seen is part of, of our message and our, our approach here is scalability. And we really found that when that interest started coming in, that getting certified to deliver the one thing has been so important because we can scale that. I mean, sometime like yesterday, I mean, you, I mentioned Shannon Sheen. I did just, just did an hour and a half overview. And that then stimulates more interest. So then we can go out and actually make it larger. We can expand on the message. But having internal internal people who are certified to deliver the one thing really can get that message out to the to the hundreds, the thousands, and whoever else is involved being able to to get that message out there. Yeah, and and I think this is really important. You said a word that matters. Scalability. It's one thing for you and I to be able to text each other and to to ask questions, but 10,000 people cannot text me. It just doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't work that way. So to be able to have people inside the company who can deliver the message, who are committed to being practice leaders, who have a GPS, who do a four one one, who actually time block their priorities, who use a planner, who have gone on a sixty six day challenge, now they've got somebody inside the company as an employee that they can go to to say, "Hey, I'm struggling on my four one ones with my team. What do I do here?" And now you've got it inside the company, and that's how it scales. And it's also, again, you mentioned time earlier. You know, treading, implementing, um, mastering, mastering, and empowering. For us, I mean, one of the things that's been so nice is it helps us to really being that mastering phase, and now being able to move into empowering, where we can help other people actually see and experience the benefits of living the one thing. Yeah, that's right. That's right. What advice would you give somebody listening to this who loves the principles? They're they're on their own journey of applying them themselves. They wish that their company or even just their boss or a colleague would start living this. What's the one thing they could do that would actually unleash a domino effect that could change their culture? I'd say going full circle back to to what I did. I think that 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 two inch domino that we can flick is by finding something from, for example, the the free stuff on the One Thing website. Find a short 
little article or short little piece of, of information on the one thing, be able to say, hey, you know what? I read this. I thought this was fascinating, and I'd love to share it with you and give it to them. That's been one of the things that I think has had an impact too, that you know, they may not read the book right away, but if they can read a, you know, a short article or information on some of the tools and strategies, that gets people's attention. Yeah. And I mean, I see you all the time sharing screenshots of whether you're posting on your instant messenger a, a podcast episode or a blog post. Like there's all the stuff that you are listening. You're listening to this episode right now, people. <laughs> like, email it, post it, share it. That that is that is these are consider these little pieces of leverage that you can use just to plant the seeds with others. And you're right too. That's that is one of the other things. I mean, we have probably most large companies have intranet sites where they have communities and so on, or that they can share. And even this week, I mean, there was somebody had reached out to me last week asking about, you know, do you have any information on time blocking? And at that point, I, I directed them to some things. But lo and behold, was it Monday that there was this past Monday, whatever that date was, that there was a podcast that you and Kaylin did on time blocking. And so I immediately went out and posted it on three different sites, letting people know about the importance of time blocking. Yeah. And that, that was episode 230 and 231. Episode 230 is how to stop spending your time and start investing. And 231 was time blocking, a new model uh, for you to manage your time. So Ed, I, I sincerely appreciate you coming on and sharing your story with us because um, it really is a story of empowerment. I mean, the 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 impact that can happen when this spreads throughout your company. I mean, you're talking about tens of thousands of people learning to better invest their time, have a relationship with their goals, achieve extraordinary results. And it started with you. I, I'm curious, is there anything that you would like to leave people with before we jump today? I'll go back to, go back to the comment about it works when you work it. And being able... There can be questions that people have about, gee, how will this work? But instead of saying it won't work, be able to ask the question, how can I make it work for me and hopefully for other people as well? And being able to have that attitude without the limiting beliefs of being able to accomplish and being able to bring the one thing to a larger audience, I think is a, such a, a wonderful opportunity. Yeah. Well, sincerely, my friend, it has been a genuine pleasure getting to work with you and the team. It's, I, I would say it's been one of the highlights of, of our company so far. And I just want to thank you for being a practice leader. And again, there's a quote from, uh, if you remember, Office Space, you know, <laughs> the, the Bob and Bob, pleasure's all on this side of the table, Jeff, because it's also such, such a, a wonderful opportunity for us to work with you. And I have certainly appreciated getting to know you and work with you over the last several years. Well, there you have it, our conversation with Dr. Ed Nottingham. Folks, this, uh, this has been a really cool journey to watch. To watch one person become a practice leader for themselves and just one person at a time to share the principles and to see how literally doing that one thing of just talking about it, sharing a 411, sharing a 66-day challenge calendar, how that has actually spread to a movement inside a Fortune 100 company. 
The path to getting everything you want is to get one thing at a time. Ed thought big, he acted small, and he trusted that the dominoes would fall. One thing that I think he, he shared at the end that brought a lot of wisdom was that you don't have to have all the answers. On your journey with the one thing, you will never have all the answers. You will always have a moment that you go, what do I do in this situation? Your journey to living the one thing is not about having the answers. It's about asking the question. It's why when you look at the back cover of the one thing, it's a question mark. It's a journey of asking great questions and searching for great answers. When you can embrace this, that you come into a situation that, oh my gosh, my boss just asked me to to do this thing and it's not my one thing. Ask, well, what's one thing I can do? Well, I can communicate to him or her what my priorities actually are and which they think is the higher priority between the two. When you find yourself going on a 66-day challenge and realizing that you start missing days and you're not being consistent, asking the question, well, what's one thing that would make this easier for me? Well, maybe it's if I actually had a community around me to support me. Okay, well, what's one thing I can do to get a community around me to support me? Well, I could go to the onething.com slash habits and learn how I can do that. You will never have all the answers. What you do have are the questions. Ask the question, search for the answers. If you would like to learn more about what it looks like to bring this inside your organization, you can go on over to the onething.com slash training. And there you can learn about the workshops that we can facilitate for you or how we can certify people inside your organization. You can, that goal setting course that Ed used is under the master course section. And there's a bunch of free courses as well that you can take advantage of. They're all available at the onething.com slash training. And like we mentioned at the beginning of the episode, we are about to kick off a brand new 66-day challenge with our member community. If you'd like to learn more about how you can boost your odds of success and not have to struggle as much with forming that next habit, go to the onething.com slash habits and learn more. Thank you so much for investing your time with us today. If, If this has brought value to you, who's one person that you know that needs to hear this? And can you just share this episode with them? And if you are that new person, please click that subscribe button so all future episodes are automatically downloaded to your device of choice. And while you're at it, please consider leaving us a rating and review. It genuinely helps us reach more people and fulfill our purpose of helping people better invest their time by having a relationship with their goals so they can achieve extraordinary results. I'm your host, Jeff Woods. We look forward to being with you in the next episode. 